Psalm 12 this morning, and I'm going to explain Psalm 12 to you, hopefully in a clear and practical way, but I just want you to, I want to start with this idea that Psalm 12, last week Shane did an amazing job with the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23 describes how great God is to you and I as our shepherd. Psalm 12, on the other hand, talks about our response to God. And so before I get there, before I get to our response to God, I want to just Take just a moment and rehearse the gospel for you because what you need to understand to understand Psalm 12 is that Psalm 12 is a reaction to the goodness of God. And it's going to talk about some very uncomfortable things that God requires of us. And I hope you put your seatbelt on today because uh, I'm going to give it to you fast and furious. And uh, I hope that you will walk away from here recognizing that there is a problem in the church. There's a problem in our land. And there is a problem with our response to the gospel. So let me just start by just rehearsing the gospel for you. So the amazing thing about the gospel is that Jesus, who, while he was in heaven, heard those very words that we just sang to him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 24-7. Jesus emptied himself of the right to be worshipped in heaven, the right to be regarded as God on earth, emptied himself of that, came on into this planet, born of a virgin, led a very sinless life, was rejected and was crucified and went to the cross for you and I to pay for our sins so that you and I would never, ever, ever have to answer to God for any sin that we have ever committed. And it is amazing. It's an amazing story. It is the best story ever told. It's the best news that you could ever imagine that as you believe the gospel, you will never, ever, ever have to give an account for your sin before God. Isn't that great? That's a great thing. Amen? It's a great thing. But you and I then, knowing that, should respond to God. We should respond to God with this sense of gratitude and devotion. And what we're going to discover in Psalm number 12 is a response of faithfulness. So Psalm 12 is written by David, same as last week when Psalm 23. David is lamenting something in the land. He is lamenting that as he looks around in the land of Israel that he finds no faithfulness in the land. And we're going to talk about that. And I think it's apropos, 4th of July weekend, that you and I could look around and probably say the same thing about the church, about America, that we lack faithfulness in our lives and in our response to God. Could, do you see that? Do you see that we live in a culture that has drastically changed and moved away from learning the principles of faithfulness? And I'm just going to say to you, I'm going to say this controversial, controversial statement right up front, then you can boo me and uh, we can move forward. But I'm just going to say this out loud. I'm going to get myself in trouble for saying it. I don't care. You know, what are they going to do, fire me? I don't know. <laughs> so here's the thing. You know how we can make this country great again? Not by a political party but by learning devotion and faithfulness in our own lives as we respond to our neighbors and friends. That's the truth. That's what will make, yeah, amen. 
That's what will make this nation great again. And it's what will make your life great. And it will make your neighborhood great. So that's what we're going to look at today. So let's begin in this lament. Psalm chapter 12. Psalm 12, verse number 1 says, Help, O Lord. Help, O Yahweh. This is David. For the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. So let me describe faithfulness to you. Let me describe it and define it for you. Faithfulness is maintaining allegiance, loyalty, and reliability, all coupled with a strong sense of duty. So let me say it to you one more time. It's not on the screen, so let me say it to you one more time so your brain and your heart can register with it. So this is what faithfulness is to God and to others. It is maintaining allegiance. We live in a culture where there's no allegiance to anything except to ourselves. We're in it for ourselves, amen? That's what we are. Let's be honest. Let's start with honesty before God. So faithfulness is maintaining allegiance, loyalty, and reliability, all coupled with a strong sense of duty. So where does faithfulness come from? So before I get there, I'm just gonna tell you right now that God requires of you, based on the gospel of Jesus Christ, to respond to him in a sense of devotion and faithfulness. God would expect that. In fact, I'm going to show you today that for you to come before his presence and really worship him in the correct way and in the God-centered way, there has to be a sense of faithfulness and loyalty in your own life. It's not a haphazard thing that happens. It is a response to the gospel, and so it's very important. So where does faithfulness begin? It begins with a radical commitment to honesty. So let me tell you, let me explain to you why I'm saying that, is that that's, what exactly, that's exactly what David said in his psalm. So in verse two, this is what it says. Everyone lies to their neighbor. David's lamenting the lack of faithfulness in the land. And then he says, same breath, he says, everybody is lying to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but they harbor deception in their hearts. That's what David said. David tied faithfulness to God with honesty. And honesty begins when I start being drastically honest with myself. And this is what I'm gonna tell you right up front. Listen to me very carefully. I know this is true in my life and I know it's true in your life. I'm gonna tell you right now, there are things in my life that I'm being deceived about. I'm deceiving myself. I don't know what they are or I wouldn't be deceived. That's the very nature of deception. And this is what I want you to hear me say. I know it's true in my life and I also know it's true in your life. Your life, there are things in your life right now, right now as you're listening to me that God wants to speak into your heart. But the fact is, is that you are self-deceived and you have blocked that truth from your life. And so the goal of the Christian life, the goal of your life should be, God, I know I'm being self-deceived here. Show me the areas of my life that I'm deceiving myself in. Almost every, I'm going I'm to tell you this, almost every one of your problems that you have in your life is based upon a view that's wrong about God, wrong about yourself, and wrong about others. And you're living out the consequences. So faithfulness and loyalty and honesty is so important, and David ties that to our walk with him, and it ties that to faithfulness. Now, according to psychology today, which is like almost next to the Bible, right? That was a joke. According to Psychology Today, one out of three people have lied to their best friend. One out of three. Bold lie. And uh, that is startling, right? 
it's probably higher than that. Those are the people that admit it, right? So who's going to want to admit I've lied to my best friend? One out of three surveyed said that they had lied to their best friend. And out of that same people group, 50% said this. This is so discouraging. 50% said that if they, they scratch a car, a car in the parking lot, if no one sees, they'll drive away. Now, do you see that's a problem, right? Let's start there. You see that, you know, you know, if you scratch a car in the parking lot, you probably should stop and leave a note and saying, hey, I'm responsible for, you know, the damage here. And so 50% of the people surveyed by psychology today said that they would drive away if they looked around and saw that no one was looking. No, you know, no foul here, so I'll just drive away. No consequence. That's the culture that you and I live in. And there's a price tag to living that way as a believer because the reality is that might be why some of our prayers don't get attention from God is because as we approach God's throne, we have to approach God with a sense of faithfulness, which means that we have to approach God with a sense of honesty about ourselves. So think about that for just a second. If you are not honest in the small stuff, you're not going to be honest in the big stuff. If you start compromising in the things that maybe don't matter much, then probably you're going to compromise when it comes to the things that matter a lot. That's why this is such a very, very important concept to God. And uh, here are some common lies in our culture. Uh, maybe you can relate to some of these. Some maybe maybe have been said to you. Uh, so when you're out to lunch or dinner, someone will say to you, uh, you get this one, I'll get it the next time, right? You've heard that before? And then the next time never comes around. Uh, or I've never done anything like this before, <laughs> right? I've never done anything like this before. Or of course I love you. Of course I love you. And this is my, one of my all-time favorite. It's not the money. It's the principle of the thing. That's a lie. It's about the money, okay? Let's just be honest. It's about the money. Or how about this one? We can still be friends. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Or this is my all-time favorite. It's one that I've said to people, and I'm just confessing my sin here today. This is kind of cathartic to me, so you're in my confession booth today. So hear this. How about this one? I'm praying for you. How many times, <laughs> oh, how many times have you said to somebody, I'm praying for you, and the reality is you had never prayed for them and you're not planning on it? And maybe you're planning on it, but you never get to it. So you just say, I'm praying for you, and I mean, come on, that is not being honest. And oftentimes when somebody asks me to do something I don't want to do, I'm just going to tell you, if you ever hear this from me, you're going to know what I'm saying to you. So we'll just say it right up front. When I say this, you'll know that I really am just avoiding you. So when somebody says, hey, Dan, would you do this for me? I'll say, I'll tell you what, I'll pray about it. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that I'm not going to do that. But so the reality is I'm just going to blame God for that. And I'm going to bring God into the equation. So I'm just saying that in our culture, in our generation, Lying and lack of honesty in our lives has become an acceptable way to live our lives. And yet it's problematic before God, right? You get that? This is a very big deal to God. And I'm gonna show you that in just a minute, but it is so important. So the question that I wanna ask you, how serious is God 
about your honesty? How serious is God about your honesty and living? And by the way, I probably need to say this to you too. Uh, When I'm talking about honesty, I'm not talking about a license to do evil to people. Like if you come up to, you know, if you're walking out in the foyer and I say to you, man, that's not really a good look for you. That's probably not an appropriate, you know, honesty in your life, right? Okay, come on, let's just say that out loud. So what I'm talking about is being honest with yourself. First of all, looking at your own life, looking in the mirror and being brutally honest about your walk with God, where you are and what areas of life you're deceiving yourself about and how you are living out a cultural truth in your life where you are living with the idea that I'm going to be radically honest with the people around me Not a mean honesty, but an honesty that honors God in every way. How serious is God about that? I'm glad you asked. In Proverbs chapter 12, you don't need to turn there, it'll be on the screen in just a second. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, this is what it says. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Oh, did I say that out loud? You know, because oftentimes we look at other people's sins and we go, that's abominable or that's detestable. Same Hebrew word, by the way. This word is so charged with emotion, it's powerful. Sheketz is the Hebrew word. And literally it says that lying lips are an abomination to God. So how serious is God about me living out in response to the gospel, a truth-bearing relationship, he is absolutely serious because he calls it in his word when I'm not doing that, an abomination. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Hello out there? It's a pretty serious thing when God calls something an abomination. Look at this verse. This verse should wake you up in the middle of the night and cause you to have some angst a bit. And this is what it says, Psalm 15, verse 1 says, who may worship in your sanctuary? That's a good question. God proposes it. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. God's requirement for me as I approach his throne is absolute honesty to him and to myself. Absolute honesty. And unless I'm there, you know, I'm just probably going to get prayers that are bouncing off the ceiling. And if I'm going to God and worshiping him and I am not approaching him based on Psalm 15, verses 1 and 2, this is a pretty serious thing. I need to understand that I'm never going to be perfect, but what God wants is a movement in my life towards a sense that I'm going to be integrous before him. That's a word I just made up. And, and I'm going to have honesty to him. So how important is it to others that I'm honest in my own life and I'm walking in honesty? Uh, I'm telling you, it's very, it's very important because it damages the spirit of others. When I'm not walking in honesty, I can't tell you how many marriages I know that have been shipwrecked because of a lack of honesty. I mean, I can't name them. There are just so many of them. Proverbs 15, 4 says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So it destroys others. As I learned to walk with God, I need to learn to walk in this area. Years ago, there was a TV show that was called A Moment of Truth. It was canceled after the first season because it destroyed somebody's, somebody, so many people's lives. Aired one season. And this is the premise of this particular show. I think it was it's somewhere in the 70s it aired. And uh, they would take somebody 
and they would hook them up to a lie detector test and they would take them out on stage and ask them questions, brutally honest questions. And, you know, there was a lot of money at stake. And so they could only win if they answered five or six questions honestly where they could pass the lie detector test. So there were questions. Let me just share with you a couple kinds of questions they had. First of all, they would say, have you ever lied to get a job? And they would have to answer truthfully. And if they had, they had to say yes. And if they had, they'd have to say no. Do you like your mother-in-law? Hmm, that's a good one. Have you ever stolen something at work? Would you cheat on your spouse if you knew that you could get away with it? Would you cheat on your spouse if you knew you, would get, you could get away with it? And people answered these questions. They wanted the show because they wanted the money. Money was more important than relationship to them. And so it destroyed families. It destroyed marriages. So they canceled it after the first season because it was destructive. And I'm just going to say it's just as destructive. We don't have to have a lie detector test. When you and I don't walk in honesty before God and before others, it destroys the people around us. And so... Listen carefully to what God says and how he counsels us. And how do I know that I'm being honest and how do I know that I'm walking faithfully before God? Where does it begin? It begins with a walk of humility before God. It's controlled by humility. But here's the thing that I know about humility. This is so important for me to hear and for me to say to you. Humility isn't something that I seek after. I don't get up every morning and say, you know, I'm gonna choose to be humble because that's a prideful thing in and of itself. I see God and out of my relationship to God comes a spirit of humility because when I'm in the presence of God, I'm undone. So as I'm seeking God, humility comes out of my life because you can't, you can't be in the presence of God without humility happening. Humility is recognizing that God and others are responsible for your success. If they're responsible for your success. You didn't get where you are today without somebody else with you, behind you, praying for you, someone in your life. So humility is acknowledging that it's because of God and because of others that I'm where I am today. That's humility. And, and our need for God. So there's this show that a lot of people binge. It's called Yellowstone. I don't know if any of you watch it, but there's a patriarch on it uh, by the name of John Dutton. And uh, this is a prayer that he recently prayed in one of his episodes. I don't know if it was recent. It was one of them that I saw. Dear God, send rain. That's a great prayer, right? Dear God, send rain and a little bit of luck and we'll do the rest. That's not humility, right? We'll do the rest. Humility is something that's essential to God and humility is really knowing that I'm depending upon God. By the way, a little piece of humor here just because some of you need to be lightened up for just a minute. Do you know, this is a great question, do you know what, uh, what is behind every successful man? Do you know what is behind every successful man? A surprised wife. <laughs> Come on now, lighten up. Lighten up. We're just going to laugh a little bit in church and then I'm going to zing you, okay? So that's how it's going to work. So how is faithfulness demonstrated in my life? How then, if I'm supposed to be faithful, how do I demonstrate it in my life? And the answer to that, short answer to that, it's how I treat others. Psalm 12 verses four and five says, those who say by our tongue we will prevail, our own lips, uh, by our own lips we, we will defend us, 
who is Lord over us. And then verse five, this is what it says, because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. In other words, God always comes to the rescue of those who are being oppressed. So how I treat others matters to God. How I treat them matters to God. First Peter 2.17 says, respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God, respect the king. How I treat others is how I walk in faithfulness to God. Now here's God's counsel to us. I love the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is one of my favorite books. I love it. I read it all the time. And I love it because I know, I like to see the, what's gonna happen at the end of the age. So God wins, just so you know, a spoiler alert. God wins, uh, the earth loses, and God reigns for, for the, on this planet for a thousand years. So that's spoil, spoiler thing. But in Revelation chapter two, verse 10, God gives you and I some very wise counsel. This is God's counsel to the church. This is what he says, remain faithful. Revelation, Revelation chapter two, Jesus says to his church, remain faithful, even when facing death, and I will give you the crown of life. So there's something in it for me. That's not why I should do it. But God says, if I remain faithful, that's his command, remain faithful, even when facing death, you'll get the crown of life. That is so good. But how then do I develop faithfulness in my life? Let's just admit it. I'm probably not as faithful based on the definition that I gave to you. You know, a commitment to honesty, a commitment to devotion. So if I'm really being honest with myself, I'm probably not as faithful as God would want me to be. Would you admit that right now before God? I'm probably not as honest and faithful as God wants me to do. So, so if that's the case, how do I develop honesty and faithfulness in my life? How do I do that? Because I'm a work in progress. And God is not perfect, asking for perfection. He's asking for progress. So how do, I, how do I gain ground in learning to walk faithfully before God? Let me give you some shotgun things. So I'm just gonna tell you right up front, if you come up and ask me what point number three is, I'm not gonna remember. They're in my notes. If you're in a small group, you're gonna get these again. So I'm just saying, uh, I'll just say, go back to your small group and they'll tell you. All right, is that a deal? So if you come up to me in the foyer, I'm not gonna be able to answer your question. Come on now, come on now, it's okay. So here's what I would say to you if you are saying, how do I develop faithfulness in my life? This is what I would say, every day that you get up, there should never be a day you don't do this, ever, ever, ever. You need to preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Every single day, because my relationship to God is in response to the gospel. So the fact that Christ died for me, washed away my sins. I should, you know, I've said this several times at Grace Church. You should be preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Listen to me very carefully. This is a, this is a moment of honesty right now before you and before God. Are you really doing that? Come on now. Are you really doing that? I'm telling you, it's a game changer. It is a game changer in your life. And I'm gonna tell you, I have an enemy that doesn't want you to hear what I just said. You should preach the gospel to yourself every stinking day. Every day. You should rehearse in your mind what Christ has actually done in your life. The fact that he has washed away every sin. The fact that you'll never stand in account before God over your sin. You should, you should ask you should ask God for the grace to preach the gospel to yourself every day. You need to hear it. And who better than yourself to preach the gospel to yourself? So I'm gonna ask you a question. Before God, 
Can't lie. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to preach the gospel to yourself every day? I'll give you a money back guarantee. I promise you that if you preach the gospel to yourself every day, that your life will be different next year than it is right now. When you rehearse the gospel in your mind every day, when you start your day out by saying, I'm just gonna remind myself of what God has done for me. I'm gonna tell you, it will change your life. That's the first thing. You with me so far? How do I develop faithfulness in my life? I preach the gospel to myself every day. Secondly, I pursue a role model. We live, in a, we live in an age where there are not many good role models around. We look in social media and, and you know, everybody, I mean, I'm good night, come on. I'm just saying, find someone who has proven the test under fire and look to them as your role model. Someone who has been in the battle and come out the other side and said, that's my role model. That's what I wanna look like when I grow up. That's who I wanna be. Find a role model in your life that you can trust and stop listening to all the role models out there that are so horrible that are in it for themselves and not in it for God's kingdom. Find a role model. That's the second principle. Third principle is pray for the, a change of heart every day. Pray that God, God, I know that there's areas in my life that I am self-deceiving and I know that there's areas in my life that I'm not telling myself the truth in, that I'm actually believing a lie and I'm propagating that lie. God, please, I'm praying for change. I want you to show me the areas that I'm deceiving myself in. Because I promise you, I said this earlier, I'm gonna say it again. I promise you there are areas of your life that you're deceiving yourself in. I promise you that. That's the nature of how the enemy, the enemy sows that every day. So you've got to find a way to ask God for that grace. And then you've got to practice truth. You've got to practice truth. You have to, you have to, you have to just say to yourself, God, I want to live, the, when I find a truth, I want to practice that truth because by practicing that truth, it changes your character. That's how character is changed. You practice truth. And then here's something else you do. You pray, you pay attention to the small things in your life. You don't, you don't say, oh, that's no big deal. You pay attention to the small things in your life. And then lastly, you pinpoint areas of disobedience that you know that are, need to be improved in in your life. And you work on those. That's how you get better at being faithful to God, about being honest. So I wanna just pick one out. I'm gonna get myself in a lot of trouble. By the way, Shane will be back next weekend, so you can rejoice in that. Before I say this next thing, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna make everybody in this auditorium squirm just for a minute. So an area that I know that you need to improve in, I'm certain of it, because I know that I need to improve in my life. I need to improve and you need to improve in the area of generosity, because I don't think you're as generous as God wants you to be. I don't. Can I say that to you? And I think you know it in your heart. I think you know it in your heart. And I know that you know that God wants you to be more generous, but you ignore God's prompting in your life when he's prompting you to be more generous. I'm just simply saying, listen to me. If you want to develop faithfulness in your life, start taking areas that you know you're being disobedient in and attack those areas. And generosity is an area that I know for sure that our culture lives for. You know, here, here's a stat. The average Christian in America is no more generous than the unbelieving world. Did you know that? The stats are the same. The stats are the same. The generosity is the same. 
And I'm saying that tells me that there's a huge problem of generosity. And let me define what I mean by generosity. Generosity is when I put God first in my life and I don't give God what's left over. I say, God, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start giving what you want me to do. It's not my money anyway. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna ask you what I should give and then I'm gonna start doing that. But I'm not gonna do that after I paid all my bills. I'm going to do that before my bills are paid. So God, because I want to learn how to be faithful to you in the midst of trial. That makes sense? Oh, that's quiet in here. You're just staring at me. You know, it's not polite to stare or say, I'm just kidding. I mean, it's quiet in here, but the truth is, I want, you know, honestly, this is before God. I just want you, I just want you to just be honest with yourself. And so now I'm going to take it one step for, for, further and I'm going to ask you a question um, that's going to be extremely uncomfortable for a second. Are you planning? Let's, let's practice honesty with God. Are you planning to blow off what I just said? Come on. Are you planning on it? Are you planning to take it in? And so, yeah, that's for everybody else, not for me. Or you are actually going to pinpoint an area of disobedience in your life and say, God, I'm going to start working on that. If there's anything that I know, I know <clears throat> that what this culture needs is they need the church to be the church and the church needs to be an obedient church to the living Christ when it, when it costs us something, not when it's convenient, when it costs us something. So I'm just going to say to you, uh, I told you right, I told you from the beginning, Shane will be back next weekend and you'll be, you'll rejoice in that because uh, I've been around long enough to go, you know, I'm just going to tell him the truth. He, he tells you the truth too. I'm just saying, I don't care what you think about me anymore. I want you to get better. I want you to get better. I want you to get better in areas of faithfulness to God. And I know that you want that too. But sometimes you just ignore what God is prompting in your life. You've got to stop ignoring those promptings and start listening to God in his life and in your life and just simply obey. I want to tell you one last story. And uh, I hope this inspires you to be faithful. There's a lady by the name of Pauline Hilton, and she tells a story about her parents who were Salvation Army officers. And uh, her parents would go out in December every year, they'd go onto a street corner. They lived in a very cold area of, the, area of the country and they would ring the bell and they would sing songs and they would, and they would, preach, the, they would preach the gospel. And so one cold December evening, they were out there in this location and absolutely nobody, nobody was in an earshot that they knew of that could hear them. And so this little girl went to her parents and said, do we have to do this? Can't we just go home? And dad said, the Salvation Army officer said, no, this is what God has called us to do. We're gonna do it and we'll go home after we finish what God has asked us to do. So they sang some carols to the air. They, dad got up and preached a salvation message and then they went home. Two weeks later, they're back in the same street corner. And a lady came up to them and said, were you out here two weeks ago singing songs and preaching the gospel? Were you out here two weeks ago? And 
They said, yes, we were. This is a true story. She said, well, I need to tell you something. My dad has been in a coma for six months and we were dreading the holidays. We were dreading the holidays because we didn't know what we we're gonna do. We didn't know what to do. And so as my dad heard you sing, he sat up straight in bed and said, that is God's music. That is God's music. And he laid down and died. And his family knew that was God because God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And those Salvation Army officers were faithful to do what they knew God wanted them to do. If nobody was watching, that's where faithfulness matters. It matters when you're doing what is right, when nobody else is listening and no one else is doing what's right and you're walking upstream and everybody's walking downstream and your life is a mockery to others and you just do it anyway. You just keep on being faithful to God. You just keep on walking with God. And God always rewards faithfulness. He does. He can't help himself. It may not be in our timing, but he always rewards faithfulness. So I'm just going to ask you, will you grow in faithfulness? Will you hear the gospel and respond to the gospel in a way that you decide in your life that you say, I don't care what anybody else does or says or is. As for me, as for me, if nobody else is doing it, if nobody else is listening, if nobody else is watching, if it costs me everything that I have, I am going to be faithful, meaning that I'm going to be brutally honest with myself about where I am with God because that's where growth begins. You're not going to grow until you discover where you are with God. And you'll never know that through self-deception. That's where growth begins. That's where, if you want to grow, it begins with a radical commitment to being faithful to God and to yourself. That makes sense to you? And my prayer for you, honestly, is simply this, is that the Spirit of God would awaken inside of you a spirit of faithfulness. So that as you walk in this culture, you will walk in a way that is honoring to your Father in heaven. And I want to say this one more time. If you want to know what makes America great, that's what it is. It's faithfulness to the living God. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, God. And let us be that generation of people that learn obedience and faithfulness to you, even though it hurts. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen.